You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome back to our watch-along critical commentary podcast recorded here on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, uh, as is much of Riverdale, uh, except my co-host, who's coming in from nearby. Yeah, I'm coming uh, in from Tuminas and Snunemuk territory. I should also say that um, the island of Penaluket is also nearby um, to this uh, area where I am at. Uh, I learned today there was a great podcast that this is speaking of podcasts. We are a podcast. Let me mention a podcast. Um, uh, A great podcast uh, about the history of um, the residential school that was on Penaluket um, Island called Cupper Island. Cupper might be just the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. but it's hosted on CBC and I intend to check it out. So I would encourage everyone else to do the same. Oh, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Oh, it's a nice evening here. How is it weather-wise where you're at, Ryan? The good warm. It's it's the height of June. We are, it's the perfect night to stay in and watch television. Yes, it's nice. It's one of those weird. It's interesting. The Pacific Northwest, for anyone who doesn't live here, is going through a very specific change with climate change where uh, indoors is cooler than outdoors, which is Mm. just didn't happen a lot while I was growing up. So anyway, I, too, am indoors. Mm. Ryan is indoors. It's warm outside. Wild. So I had no idea that the Bulldogs had a mascot until this episode. Maybe the Bulldogs didn't know they had a mascot until this episode. What a great little casual world build that they wear wherever and whenever they snuck that in there. I I feel like there might have been a whole plot in season one about a stolen mascot, but maybe I'm just thinking of high school football tropes. Maybe. I don't remember. Um, (laughs) Peppy? Peppy. Is that dog's name? Fabulous. I don't remember Peppy. The only dog I really recall are live ones, you know, like Archie's dog. Uh, I've just forgotten the beautiful dog's name. Can't remember. The, the, the All American Golden Retriever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and hot then, dog. And hot dog. Yeah. Hot dog. And um, so cat. anyway, I, I loved that touch. It gave a little absurdism to the episode, which I thought was really like just. Mm. Um, uh, Fangs's face, that actor's face, when he was like, for Peppy, I was like, oh man, I wonder how many times you had to do that line. He just, oh, he just killed it. It was such a fun moment. It, it, yeah, it, um, the personality of this version of Riverdale is really, really crystallizing, I think. Um, yeah. this, you know, we're, we're, we're about 10, we're 11 episodes into really living fully in the 1950s. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, mascots and school rivalries and the whole town being awed and encouraged by the basketball game um, and the tone that Jughead and Ethel have started to take interrogating the reality around them mm-hmm. I more and more see us like coming into the Stepping through the frame of the fourth wall and tilting the camera slightly and getting a little weird. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to hear more about that as we watch the episode. Um, I think that... I think that the thing that is the most interesting to me about this episode are the ways in which children are um, mm. questioned about their reality by the adults in their lives. Mm. So we've got yeah. Jughead and Ethel who, you know, the school principal's like, oh, you're back. Great. I mean, not really, but th- basically that is the effect. And yeah. then you've got what who the man who amounts to their boss being very um uh gung-ho in treating them like um uh adults and then you have mary andrews who realizes that veronica and betty are at the pembroke Uh and is furious and i have to say um deliver some antiquated tropes about motherhood but i think they fit the era very well (laughs) um so anyway things alice can do to hear um And Mary's Mary was very grounding, I think. Uh being being the save the day mom in some ways, uh, for me, in highlighting the the ridiculousness that these other kids are dealing with who don't have someone in their in their um backing them. And when yeah. when that person mm-hmm. vanishes by whatever circumstances, Miss Cooper. Um yeah, and then some 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 rather more serious moments with Cheryl and her father um yes oh yeah oh man we forgot about clifford blossom yeah we are reminded that this is a man who murdered his son cold blood in season one that was the core mystery um i I think they're they're um utilizing that character and performer much better than they they ever have in the past Mm, certainly the 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 secret secret twin who we also murder a couple seasons later did not did not fly for me i forgot about him <laughs> i genuinely completely deleted him wow you, truly, you can't explain riverdale to someone i like to try to summarize half a season and they this has stopped me it yeah stops making sense before i'm halfway through yeah yes Good stuff um <laughs> but he's very threatening uh, right yeah. now <laughs> sorry he's very threatening right now Truly, embodying a lot of things that, sorry, Riverdale gang, I'm going to have to cough here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, One call, uh, embodying don't have to a edit. lot of values that are pretty horrific, of course, you know, mm. um, manipulating his way into some version of power, sad little king of a sad little hill type of thing, um, mm. by, at the expense of someone who's clearly very talented on this team that he is sort of handpicked. I mm. was wondering if K.O. Kelly was going to appear in some way since he has appeared before. Same thing. Um, but I do think the choice not to have him appear worked. You know, it's it's not the first time they've background, background name dropped those Katie Keene casts. They, specifically with that cast, do, seem to do that a lot. They That's remind true. us they exist. Yes. Even more than the Pussycats. That's true. Oh, yeah. No Pussycats. Mm-hmm. Not as yet. Not as yet. Mm. They really drove off into the sunset with that van. I'm waiting for that spinoff. 
I wonder where, I wonder if, rather, they're going to turn up in the musical episode, which, ooh, you might hear a motorcycle outside in the cul-de-sac there, Riverdale gang. Um, uh, I wonder yeah. if they're going to turn up in the musical episode, which Ryan told me either today or yesterday is going to be all original music. Yes, we are not a new show, but I did happen to read that and got real excited. Um, it strikes me as a a very smart, natural, obvious, but still a little bit brave choice. Um, Glee crashed and burned every time they tried to touch original music. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, again, different world, different time, different context altogether. They they took themselves seriously when they do did it. Riverdale's not gonna do that. Uh, that would surprise me. Yes, it would <laughs> surprise me if Riverdale took itself too seriously. Um, we got a taste of the absurd musical um, asides. This episode yeah. and last episode, it's been a really nice, um, steady patter of one or one uh, a song every episode or two. Yeah, I just remembered. There's this a musical number in this episode. <laughs> Harkening back a little to the sleepover moment with Kevin and Cheryl and Betty and Veronica in the Hedwig and the Angry Inch episode. Yes, yes, but so much more natural. Yes. By the way, I remember being absolutely just little SJW furious that a bunch of straights had done Hedwig <laughs> at the time. And boy, do I regret those comments now. <laughs> Turns out they're all queer. Just it's about. It's not even so much that. I, I don't know if they're all queer. Okay. Reggie, Reggie's confirmed straight. We have that on canon. Though this is another version of Reggie, so who knows? Oh, I was talking about the actors, actually, not so much the characters. But, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my little that. SJW grump <laughs> last time. And to be honest with you, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, I've become very disillusioned, very disappointed by a lot of the social justice movement. I'm still a lefty. I'm still invested in justice. Mm. I'm still invested in a communal response to the tragedies of the world. But I find the older I get, the less it matters to me about certain things so long as they are done with integrity and they are done well. And I look back at the Hedwig and the Angry Inch mm. episode and I feel like it was a beautiful episode of this show. I truly, truly do. And um, yeah. it doesn't, it, it, it's not meaningful to me whether or not the actors are a flavor of, of queer, to be honest, mm -hmm. even though some of them are, some of them come out. I think Lily Reinhardt being a notable one. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for letting me tangent. Absolutely. I think um, the uh, discussions of ideas like representation that are at the core of what was our kind of our generational social justice conversation in the yeah. in the, the, the tens and, and 20s here uh, and early 20s um, is 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 absolutely shifting. And no small part of that is bumping up against the limits of what representation can do. Um in a lot of ways and fronts and, and, and having those same strategies and, and ideas and philosophical questions subverted and challenged and turned back again, you know, it's, it's all been debated to death now. So of course these words are a little bit broken. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm super excited about the musical episode that's coming. Me too. Me too. 
Should we jump in, Ryan? Let's jump in. I feel like this episode really bounces around and there's going to be a lot to keep up with. Um, that uh, will draw us in quite nicely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm suddenly horrified that I'm not going to be on mute. I am on mute. How delightful. Zah. Tick. It's as smart as you are at best. <laughs> yes, that's true. Would you like to get oh your... Oh it's funnier the longer I think about it. <laughs> get your tech up, gang. Load up your Netflix and or recordings of your choice. And syncing up to press play on the Badoom, if you're going to watch along with us. In three, two, two one. Doomba. I think we got thrown just a tiny bit out of sync there because of internets, but whatever. Pick your Badoom match, gang. We're all we're all in bed with Archie-ish. Goodness. <clears throat> Waking I... up. Yes. I've always, there's something I sort of do a little litmus, not a litmus test, that's not what I mean. Something I notice about every actor I've ever watched mm-hmm. is if they've had to do, there's Peppy, is if they've had to do that's the side of my high school that definitely doesn't have a basketball hoop on the side of it there. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's the smoker's pit that he is playing basketball in, or at least it was in my yeah. day. Anyway. Did you, did you catch that super modern building in the back with shop written on it? Like they couldn't hide the contemporary annex or make it look 50s enough, but they wanted that sick angle shot. <laughs> um, so this is this very classic kind of Riverdale fake out. None of them are dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody's you know. dead. <laughs> Sorry. So many times in the, the show, we've talked about the trauma that these teens have, and it just says trauma on that hospital board. <laughs> oh my God. Dead. And then the pull in on Cheryl and Penelope. In white and black, respectively. Uh. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, this is interesting. I love, I loved that they gave Reggie dialogue about why he pulled all those guys out of the water. I thought that was like a very mature and responsible take from this show. I was really happy with that. Yes, yes. It's uh it, it's a more frank um bit of dialogue than you should get talking about and around race relations in yeah. TV. Um also I like how we're setting up Sheriff Keller in this show to just be <laughs> just I hate to say it, I think this actor is a smoke show and I think he's good at his job, but <laughs> just a bit useless. <laughs> So deeply um, obstructionist is what pinged me this episode. Like we we step yeah. into the, the the realm of conspiracy conspiracy obstruction between the multiple authority figures who have been proven shown to be on dramatically different sides in this community and in most things. Their boss at Pep Comics and. Dr. Werther's are on the same side about something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we've already had the toxic dads of Riverdale happen on this show. <laughs> we have the hot and... dads, and we have the, the, the absentee dads, and then the awful toxic ones. Toxic was season one and season four or five. It starts to blur. 
I love how all of the they're all gathered at the house and kind of being like they're like waiting around the phone. Of course, no one has cell phones. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. right, right. What news? Um, There's oh, the maybe 50s, bad news around. The fifties hair on these two women. Oh, the night looks. Um, Shannon Purser does fantastic, awkward presence. Like when she's when she's playing character who is clearly clearly uncomfortable in this moment the whole room is so wonderfully uncomfortable just i think she's got a great presence particularly around uh sense of displacement yeah 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 it's a great scene this um this like sleepover bedtime chatter really really sweet friendship dynamic that um yeah yeah it feels nostalgic in a in a really in that like specifically sweet this is a very specific example of story but it hits those emotions and buttons of staring at the roof and not quite seeing someone you're talking to and having all the more that you can say for it yeah yeah it's it, it's a great moment. I really love the way they're developing the relationship between Reggie and Archie in this season, which I don't feel has ever been like this mm, in this no. show. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And mm, Reggie's face, even though he's in the dark, staring at nothing, not being seen, is so flat delivering that. And we get all of Archie's reactive expressions, both in the dark, not showing for anyone. There's something like, ugh. The night shot. I love how Ethel's setting. like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> what is going on? I'm not. And Ethel's like, okay, I don't know what to do. This is like the fifth weirdest thing that's happened to her this week. So, what she? <laughs> um, wild how all of this context circles down to the core plot point of Betty's relationship with her mom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean, that's really as, what we're circling. <laughs> as a woman I knew who was a therapist once said, "If it's not one thing, it's your mother." So, um, Alice yeah. is Alice is quite the mother. Yes, um, I love I, I there were so many unexpected moments in this show for me I, in this episode for me rather I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. Betty to be like well let's just break back in and I wasn't expecting Archie to yes. be like a poet I wasn't <laughs> expecting that I wasn't ex- I, there was a ton about this episode that surprised me there are things in this episode um written into the plot story beats that um remind me of the promises of season one, the trailer promises of season one, most most obviously Betty and Veronica, but um, more subtly, um, this this conversation of, a, of an artistic Archie. Um, and yeah, that's right, which we haven't seen in a few seasons. It's true. Yeah, it's it's been quite absent, and like KJ Apa is one of the least seen performers. In, in years. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah. I, I have to say, KJ Appa's acting in this moment, cool. I would just like, yeah. the empathy was through the roof here. I really felt, like, don't get me wrong, I was that annoying, like, prissy kid who was like, 
the teacher is reading out my work. Isn't it great? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I really felt. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I just oh man, I just really felt what he was feeling. It was a good moment. Exposed. Yeah. Exposed, and then we cut to the locker room football scene. And Archie is just raw with having emotions and art and feelings. And nope, you're going to be part of our race war, kid. Yeehaw. Yeah. Now let's pray. Yeah, I forget how much more common prayer used to be in school. Like, my mom went yeah. to an elementary school that I nearly went to, but I ended up in French immersion. And every morning before school, they would say, sing God Save the Queen, say the Lord's mm. Prayer, and then sing O Canada. Mm. And, uh... It's not my vibe, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, think like two or three out of six elementary school years, we we fully did Lord's Prayer at some points. Oh, wow. In class. Um, this, is, this, is, this is a public school. We just had none sometimes. Oh, but other... Pr- so, sorry, for one thing, gotta note Dr. Werther's sweater. Oh, yes. I'd wear that, one. Uh, two... <laughs> Very quickly, I understand that public schools in other provinces are just Catholic schools, but they're public schools, but they're Catholic. Oh, well, in in some provinces like Alberta, there there's a separate Catholic a pub a separate Catholic public school board. So in BC, um, a lot of this has to do with the history of settlement. But uh, uh, I was at a public public non religious school. Oh, then okay. there was the Catholic school the next town over. So there's your baseline from Alberta. Um. <laughs> well, no, but I, I had a friend, I know we're talking through this, but um, I had a friend in the prairies who, like, went to public school, but it was Catholic, mm-hmm. but it was public, it was public yeah. school, it was just, yeah. Yeah, it was public Catholic so schools. outside of my <laughs> realm of experience, it's interesting. Anyway, uh, here's what I mean, them being like, yeah, we're uh, just children that you're talking to, like children. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Sidebar context, all, all religious school in BC is private. Yes. That's true. In this province. Um, shouldn't it be Reggie? Yes, Archie. Ask the questions that make the adults not say words. Yeah. Because they refuse to say the actual ones that they're thinking. I like. love the way they're embodying a very particular type of privilege in Archie, where mm. he is completely unaware of white privilege and male privilege, but as soon as he sees it, he's like, well, why are why are, why aren't we fixing this like why like why don't we just fix it you know yeah why don't we yeah. just do this differently why are we doing the bad thing yeah right? why, why are we doing this <laughs> yep i just think i um, think that's an interesting choice to make you know and then to yes absolutely um this isn't the first time that his dad has been used to manipulate him around not doggedly pursuing morality and justice. Yes. The first time. Uncle Frank's kind of a heel. When have you not, Elizabeth? Yeah, it's so interesting that I, I like, has Al put her up to this? Does she like this? What's I going think on Alice here? is cracked here. I think Alice is having a dis, like, a, a, a serious, serious like break in reality in in difficulty processing i think alice yeah. is barreling towards a nervous breakdown to use the era's terminology 
Yes. <laughs> I um I do I do also want to quickly point out that people deal with parenthood differently. Yes. And sometimes yes. when it's not going your way, you do things that buck the social convention of what is expected from a parent. Mm-hmm. And that's complex and I have some opinions about it, but I I do want to acknowledge that sometimes parents just get so overwhelmed that they make great choices like the one that Alice is making. I love that underneath that excellent point, um, we slid into the parent who is the, the excuseless exception who proves the rule. Yes. That. What a <laughs> nightmare of a man. Oh, so threatening. Uh, just threatening presence, threatening... Like, he finally makes an explicit threat here. Almost explicit. Yeah, what I like about this moment, though, is we get an insight into who he is as a person, which I we, we didn't get yeah. about Hiram until pretty late in his villain arc. But we like we get this moment where he says, "Yes, I was a bulldog, and now we have anything to go back to those days, or whatever he says." And yeah, I don't know that I feel empathy for him, but I I understand what it is to be like as a viewer. I can imagine what it is like to be dissatisfied with your life and that making you bitter. I don't think that's an excuse. Yeah. I think he's a nightmare of a human. But I, it's interesting yeah. that I was given an opportunity to be empathetic for a split second. Agreed. The pathos tracks. Um, and then reality breaks, breaks briefly again, and I love it. This is yeah. a delightful number. I've So, I don't... I want to say this is unrealistic, but this is entirely <laughs> not... <laughs> what hanging out with theater kids is like at a certain stage. <laughs> Especially when we're young. We're like, okay, let's coordinate a musical number tonight. Yeah, and matching costumes, great. Yeah, where's the camera? Let's where's the camera? Let's pretend there's a camera. <laughs> and now this is we're also in we're also in a an era of a much what is a far more actual selfie camera video pose dance clip video clip than I think you or I ever experienced in social media. So mm-hmm. like picture any of them with selfie sticks carefully placed. And there's something mm-hmm. that tracks. Um but also they're doing like nice golden age Broadway, clean, crisp, balanced. They cast clay to match Casey Cott's voice. I love it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun singing chops happening in this moment, for sure. The gayest thing they've ever done. <laughs> Is that true? I guess I you're would right. put it in contention. It's right up there. Especially when they then have a romantic wine picnic by the fire. Listen, they have never talked about the size of any anatomy in this show. This is the first time. And again, we know the show's ending because they're being risque. (laughs) (laughs) Very explicit. Think of all the other things that have happened in front of this fire. Instead, we're having an innocent sleepover, except not so innocent. Wild how the um, can't censor us now season is like, okay, we're going to have teenagers talking about basic human experiences. 
Yeah, I guess that's a little troubling, hey? <laughs> Amongst many things. Yeah. Ugh, Kevin and Clay are so schmoopy, schmoopy cute here. It's great. This is what I want. I don't want the starts and the stops and the ends and the breaks and the hard parts. I want cute couples in stories. Yeah. Yeah, this is cute. This little moment. Snapping towels. They're like, it's interesting that I, this sequence is really cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a nice um, soft slide into like, I acknowledge sexuality. Do you? You acknowledge sexuality, don't you? Yeah. We acknowledge sexuality. Um, that's hilariously young. Like, it's it's tonal tonal subject stuff like that that ages these characters down so effectively. I think. Yeah, yeah, this is cute. Well, to Dilton Doily and all the boys of Riverdale High, that's very sweet. Dilton is taking a very strange role this season that it, it's it's hilariously stereotypical in a lot of beats, in a lot mm. of ways. But it's um but I'm comparing it to his broken non-pseudo role of season one. Like crazy survivalist yes. apocalypse kid in the woods with bunker straight into cult sacrifice. That was his entire arc. Oh yeah, Dilton. Dilton, you've had a time. And I think it's been through a couple of recastings, no? I we should we need to look that up between episodes. That's true. I don't remember. Like that could I be know the Reggie's same been actor. Recast. I'm not thinking of Reggie, but Yeah, yeah. I like I don't I wouldn't recognize Dilton from season 1 at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean, fair. Absolutely. But there's been another ch- character who started out as a secondary character who I think has been recast, and I can't remember who. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, Fabulous what? moments with Cheryl once again. A little bit of emotional yeah. vulnerability. Madeline Petch just doing, like, the good bright eye, bright eyed, I'm trying to keep a brave face on it thing. <laughs> Betty's like, oh, this is not going to be great. And uh, also they're hungover. Also, they're very fairly hungover. Yeah. So, give me all, yes, give me, give me your young men processing their emotions and expressing things and coping with the fact that they express things. Yes. Also, thank you for giving us a teacher who is just genuinely kind to him and doesn't abuse her position in his life like you did in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Are there any good teachers in Riverdale? It's just Mrs. Thornton, it seems like. Yeah. Also, if the, the receptionist in the principal's office yes. teaches any classes, yep. she seems great. Mrs. Bell. Mrs. Bell. Our entire cast were Riverdale teachers. None of them were good. We can say that certainly, right? Um, there might have been a science teacher in the first season who was pretty okay. I can't really remember now. I'm thinking of that time Veronica tried to invent a microeconomy. I can't keep up, man. I've watched this entire show and I can't keep up. It's not bad for a teeny bumper. Not bad at all. Um, for my bud Ethel. I, I I forgot to poke that earlier, but my, my bud Ethel. There. I don't know. I don't know what this foreshadows or foretells, but they're being so nicely ham-fisted with, um. 
Jughead's obliviousness to um, Ethel's existence as 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 as, uh, as someone who has a crush on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of it of polite, but not demeaning, but also accurate, because like that's a that's a thirsty Ethel. That's a thirsty. Yeah, Ethel. I think I think poor Ethel is suffering from the not being seen and it's terrible <laughs> it's a terrible feeling um mm. i empathize with her character a lot um what was i gonna say though i do i do wonder what they're doing with that because at this point it is kind of a natural romantic pairing if tabitha is out of the picture mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as i said earlier to ryan i'm very concerned about the straight representation of the show. <laughs> that is a joke <laughs> obviously but. they're borderline minority at this point mm. this is fun seeing uh, Mary in her shop it's a little poignant yeah. because we know that yeah. she has a very different life in modern day Riverdale um, mm-hmm. yeah and, and outside yeah. of modern day Riverdale where she was for most of it yeah Beautiful um, patterns they've yeah. got on uh, on Betty oh, yes. and Mary, actually. Really, really gorgeous costuming, as usual. Excellent. Excellent catch. I think me. one of the wardrobe people is actually a friend of a friend, and I've been giving this person all these compliments over the years. Ah, uh, hello, Sean. <laughs> Hi, Sean. Our buddy Sean Deppner playing this smarmy jerk. Back once again. I, I love that they just... He, he slipped into... oh. There's our smarmy jerk. We're gonna reuse that smarmy jerk. I, I yeah. feel like there's there's and people also, like like the doctor and coroner who they're like, oh, rotate run. Keep that one. Keep it. Stick it. Stick yeah. it inside. I remember when we interviewed Sean, he said that he books a lot of parts like this because he says he has mm. a very punchable face. And there's a moment yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of moments where he nearly gets punched, and I was like, mm, yep. There it goes again. Um, mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm. say, of many of the actors in this show, Sean does not look very adolescent. He looks very adult now. Mm. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I think yeah. we're also framing. We're also, you know, we're we're framing in a in a. The cusp of adult in nineteen fifty five is so different than the cusp of of adult in nineteen fifteen, or in in twenty fifteen. Also 1915, but that's irrelevant except for those couple of Cheryl episodes <laughs> where it is yes, actually like, is relevant. There an oh my god. Of the show that take place in 1915? At yeah. least one. <laughs> Probably more. But what I'm saying, what I mean to say, we're, all, we're just talking about Sean's face over this great little bit of um, Peppy Dog, Peppy the Dog nap. Don't worry, we'll get him back. I almost yeah. missed that whole okay, like yeah. undercurrent plot through my first watch through. Just and this is where they're just like this is what this is their a plot is the dog in this as far as their yes. take of their lives is is going. Yes. Yeah. I mean the a plot is this thing with Reggie and the captain ship and uh Blossom, I would say. Mm. But Yes, that's, in their world, the... in world, Peppy is the main plot. Yes, yes, like from the perspective of these sixteen-year-old old kids, 
Pepe is the most important plot. From their perspective in their 60s writing their memoirs, yes, it will be the the nuanced analysis. But um yes. As I'm 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 thinking about those things that like can only be experienced and then processed for years after. Yes, absolutely. I hear ya. Um, it's interesting that Archie is very reticent to talk about his interest in literature with Reggie, who's probably already guessed. Mm-hmm. In fact, we realize later that he has. I keep, what? gosh, mm-hmm. every time we're in Jughead's trailer, I'm like, oh yeah, Veronica fixed it up for him by way of flirting. Because they wanted to do something fun with the set, and so they did. And boy, did they. <laughs> Great sweater on uh, Jughead, by the way. Like, I wonder if they—I wonder if they built this train car. Oh, it's not the train car that belongs to that guy in Squamish who has a train. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes, yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. I don't think it's that one. I've been in that one more recently. Yeah, I have been in that one too. And oh no, never mind. I've been in I've been we got a pretty good tour. Never mind. It's not that train car. Just sorry, a little local color there, Riverdale gang. There's actually a lot um, of train cars. Been... They're all named and have rich regional histories in this area. It's part of being a similar yes. country. Um very sorry, that uh, earnest no, that's okay. Just very earnest scene from uh, yeah. Apple and Jughead here. Um, one story. of the things I've loved that they've done with Jughead's costuming in this season mm-hmm. is that there's something very... It, it reminds me a lot of grandfathers now. Mm-hmm. And of course, like a sweater I noticed on Cheryl in a previous episode, this is the outfit that became the grandfather outfit with the passage of time. But I feel yes. like even for the age of the character, there's something sort of um, like he doesn't quite understand that he shouldn't be dressing like the the adults. You know, he's not he's mm. never really in denim and uh, those button ups that the other guys are in, you know. Right, right, and and this is this is a significant tra- uh, contrast to season one train car Jughead, which was who was a super teenager, who was a grungy grunge teenager. Yeah, exactly. I guess this is this is Jughead who's been alone in the train car slash movie theater for rather longer as well. By this time, yeah. I just realized something when Jughead was living in the school, we never got an episode where he's in the school when it gets broken into. And I wonder if that was ever in any version of the script, because that would be such a juicy moment, because he's like, oh, I want to protect the school, but I also don't want to get found out. I don't know. Anyway. Does he want to protect the school at that point, though? Was that a drug kid who cared about things other than hot dog? Also, um, 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 very, 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 very. Yeah, Betty and Veronica, this is a very sweet scene. This is the kind of scene I feel like I needed as a teenager who was attracted mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. women. I didn't 
like moments like these that are really tender and desexualized are not common. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And um, it's and of course, the sexualized versions are great, too. Um, but we, we need a little of both. You know, we need Heartstopper just as much as we need. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Name me a sexy one, Ryan. <laughs> um, what's uh, what's the gosh dang it. I'm old, Chloe. I don't watch the sexy, sexy shows anymore. I watch the comfy old shows with nice old people solving crime. <laughs> Jughead is nice old people solving crime. He's just young, but he's grandfather sweater. Yes. <laughs> I don't actually anyway. watch much for crime solving shows. There's so many cops. Anyway, what I do watch <laughs> is sweet, sweet, intimate queer romances. I mean, they're taking yeah. their time. They're building their tension properly. There's a lot of time here for us to fill. <laughs> They're uh, lovely little little great coming of age moments that I I I I love that this is a this could be sexy romantic story this could be super coming of age figuring out this is my best friend figuring things out together story or anything in the middle and it works it all works and and they as they are communicating to each other. Any of those op options are equally non-awkward going forward. Yeah. It's sweet. Yeah, this is just so, this is just such a sweet moment. Moments of vulnerability. This this season, but then this, especially this episode, the vulnerability that these, these teenagers, um, when they choose to show it, yeah, I also love that they get thwarted. Poor Betty, I feel like she's been thwarted a lot this episode or this season. Yes, constantly. She, Betty's never, never getting any. Never. Yeah, she's almost not, kissed. Not until and time breaks. People. <laughs> <laughs> she's almost kissed a number of queer people of so many genders now. Yeah. Mithers. I know they write your checks, but they're not here. Take care of the child. Kudos to Mary Andrews for treating these legal children like they are still children. Yes, yes. This was a moment I really wanted from these characters. I think it's very, very endearing, this business. Yes. Um. Also, P.S., great dress on Cheryl. Really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel kind like that goes actually yeah. the first outfit we ever see her in, which is a white dress with a red belt. Oh, and she's yes. in the boat with Jason. With a little extra polka dot and ribbon. Yeah. We get such nice, um, um, heavy, heavy core to Cheryl this episode of, of heavy, heavy weighty life stakes that she's bumping right up against. Um, yeah. Cheryl's winding up or being wound up as a character here. I am so curious to see how they play Julian in the ensuing conflict. Can yeah, go a lot of different I'm ways. curious too. Because there will be conflict. Something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. We are... <laughs> the tension grows. 
I love that Mary Andrews, we find out later, calls Veronica's famous mother in Hollywood and is like, you're being mm-hmm. a terrible mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fantastic. Um, yeah, they deliver, they deliver with Mary Andrews. Mm-hmm. Her whole character inhabits this this plot and makes it so much better. Okay, so Featherhead's jerk. Yeah. And also super low status. Like he's deep bootlicking in this scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is sort of the impression we get of him right off the bat is that he's sort of at the center of these more powerful people that he kind of has to manage. Which he, you know, mm. like is mm-hmm. not um and not not to cop him any sympathy. Um <laughs> He's this, very featherheaded. This is, yeah, th- this, I have to say, is very dated, but it's very in-era. And uh, I, yes, it's very in-era. I feel like they give Molly Ringwald so many, so many I- emotive monologues that are uh, almost always come from this, like, just, just, just limited, limited storytelling perspective of here's one fracture of an experience, and we're gonna go real, honestly, authentically emotional, all into it. But it's like I'm never seeing this woman at her best. Yeah. I want, I want Mary after the retreat weekend and spa dates with her army, <laughs> army her lady, army. with her okay. army lady. I want to see her in recruiter. Court. I guess Riverdale hasn't really given us a law episode, huh? Well, they they faked no. it out. They said they had Archie being arrested, but then they skipped it. They skipped it. No, there, there was the time Ethne was on trial. Remember? Yes, yes. And then two seasons later, he was the sheriff. Yeah, classic, classic <laughs> Riverdale. There's a guy just in the background of this shot just leaning majestically next to his bike. I like that. <laughs> it's a nice touch. Living scenery. A lot of good dialogue yeah. for these two characters. Like, yeah. good dialogue. Um, in contrast to some of the, the, the heavy, heavy tropes they were walked through in the early seasons. When establishing them as teenager tropes before they themselves yeah. grew to become the god of teenager tropes who now is embodied in only one face and with many the many masked i'm yeah i've been reading a lot of uh mythology this week pardon spiraling but i do think <laughs> we're moving towards some eldritch outcome here and i think these characters being literary super god figures we know Jughead already is. We know Jughead writes reality. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not working. I'm oh, not working yeah. on nothing that here. Writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting, but that I forgot about that. And the milkman we've we've already pointed out is a story that was written mm-hmm, 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 by mm-hmm. Pep Comics, and oh. the authority of this world is starting to crack unilaterally when Stalin keeps asking questions about those bits that don't quite fit that come from a story this is where the boss and featherhead 
being on the same side about a matter. There's something outside of them that's setting the, the rules of this, this conflict. I... What do you mean on the same side? Mm, that they both agree, don't talk about it, here's the official story, we have to move on. This is the truth now, and we're moving forward away from this. Initially, but the boss changes his mind, right? Well, they drag him into it. Hmm. Oh, wait, we're talking about the Pep Comics guy, right? Yes, the Pep Comics guy. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, perhaps I, I need to rewatch the, his, his scene the next time through. There's another, he's got another closing scene, right? Where they wrap up the comic thing? Uh, maybe. I actually don't remember. I watched this episode rather late in the evening last <laughs> night, and um, we'll see. I may have forgotten. Side note, even sports teams and volunteer activities where there is a commitment and pressure can benefit from unionizing solidarity in action. Um, group action <laughs> and negotiating against power and capital, always, always a really great option. You know? Doesn't have to be a workplace. Unionize your football team. Yes. This is such a sweet little moment, these phones. I thought that mm-hmm. was really fun. Mm-hmm. The, the moments of very sweet intimacy that uh, that were captured yeah. in in friendships and in romantic beats, this relationship, this this episode this relationship this one big oh yeah you know what that reminds me proposed outcome massive polycule broken time everyone's with everyone (laughs) because just about everyone's been with everyone at this point and you could have some kind of dead end branches to a polycule and still function with good communication (laughs) so I think they're all going to be an eldritch polycule It's my prediction for the end of the season. Uh, end of the series, really. Eldritch Paul. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly an ending. <laughs> it's certainly an ending. I think that um, just the fact that we have uttered the phrase eldritch polycule on this show um, is enough for me, <laughs> regardless of what win. happens. <laughs> it's definitely a win. I love that we didn't see too much of the game. Um, yeah, a lot has yeah. been happening off stage in this show, and sometimes I've liked it, and sometimes I haven't. But I think it's a bold choice, and I like that they're sticking to it. I really liked the stylized shots shots they used to to tell the the tension and, and dynamics of the game uh, mm-hmm. efficiently. We it's 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 the film's version of interpretive dance. It's. <laughs> here's here's fancy lights and feelings and sound that give you the vibe we're going for, so you don't have to watch the whole game. It's really effective. Yeah, like it. and it is also, also it is literally interpretive dance. They're sporting that's carefully choreographed. That's true. Um, also, uh, these vintage uniforms so fun, delightful. There's a belt on their basketball shorts. Huh. I guess changing availability of elastic materials, huh? I guess that mm-hmm. must be what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think we is... briefly see a tattoo on fangs, which I hadn't noticed before. And I feel I think... like would be a, a no-no from 
this like this team in this era, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, that's a great point. I feel like we have focused in on that tattoo before when establishing Fangs as the bad boy. Yeah. Beautifully lit shot, by the way. This is so fun. Nice and stylized. Super sharp. Yeah. Super in in perspective. Very theatrical. Mm-hmm. And with a nice, handy summary to go with this choreographed dance bit. Yeah. That's cute. Close for the big game. Our beautiful big pinks are back. This is a great way of showing why this matters. Everyone's very invested in the high school basketball game. Yes, yes. It's the local news. It's the local activity. Activity yeah. to talk about. Um, hard to hard to imagine having this such a limited, restricted amount of news and access mm-hmm. that a high school sports game is is the activity highlight for me now, and I imagine for a lot of people younger than us too. Yeah, that was fun. Reggie just threw the ball. And in one shot, and then he caught it in the next shot. He threw it to himself. That's fun. I really like that. Nice. Oh, I, I love when they actually remember the continuity moving through space. Yeah. Um, This is sweet. Nice little touch to their friendship. Ooh, there's a mobile plane hanging from the ceiling that I don't think I've noticed before. Do you remember the, the, I think, season three episode where Veronica and Kevin have a sleepover and... Kevin just wants to be a nerd with friends and Veronica's confused. No, I have no memory of that. It was long, long ago. A moment of, oh my God, awkwardness of your friendship. This is, I mention it because this is the complete inversion of the unawkward, authentic, open, open friend connection. This very like unguarded friendship chemistry. Is, yeah. is so sweet. Although now that we have Vetti, you know, go for a go for a queer hat trick. Yeah, but you know something I'm always torn about um, is that I also want to see platonic love, especially in television shows aimed at teens. Yeah, I like. I really yeah. do want to see non-romantic, non-sexual love between two people, two peers. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely that's, that's really important to me but who knows I mean this show this show has given us so many different things over the years Eldritch Paul to Kuehl Eldritch Paul to Kuehl. <laughs> I think at you're right center, I think we're getting there I think it is going to be an Eldritch Paul to Kuehl. is Jughead somehow the himself. center is Jughead center's got to be Jughead it's his narration that's true <laughs> <laughs> that's true sometimes other people narrate sometimes hasn't happened often but it has happened a couple of times that's right hmm. oh, satisfying well, episode Ugh. yeah I think we said that at the end of almost every episode this season they've nailed nailed some formula this season they really yeah. um rope, dialed back the absurd I think they I think they Used all the fireworks last year, if you will. Yes. They, we got they to, like, shot them all off. 
we got to angels. I don't know. Other than God, I don't know if there's an echelon above that. Warlocks and angels and ghosts. Oh my. Um, right. And yeah, they've re-anchored us really neatly, really nicely. I closer and closer every episode, I feel the ticking tension that I know is season finale, but I think is gotta be something narratively popping off. There's there's yeah. reality's gonna break soon. They're well, Jack, they're showing us cracks. Jughead talks about this storm at the end of this episode, and Yeah. Yeah. Happen. I don't know what's gonna happen. That hasn't happened to us a ton in this show where we've just been like everything what? is really great and everything and anything could happen. <laughs> I mean, Riffdale really excels in mid-season and end-of-season plot, I think. Usually they tie it together real well. Yeah. And we've gotten to mid-season. We've just been satisfied all the way along. Like, there hasn't really needed to be any sort of scooping of a bunch of plots to make them make sense. I don't Mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. just, this is a great final season. I'm having a blast. This feels like an extraordinarily effective remake of season one in many, many ways to me. That's interesting. Not, not in a storytelling way, but in a if we were to make this again kind of a way. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Beauty of time magic. <laughs> That's true. We do time magic. Well, uh, well, I tried to say Ryan and Riverdale Gang at the same time. Well, Ryan. Um, well, friends, Romans, friends. countrymen. <laughs> Why don't we call it there? Let's uh, have a sleep and watch more Riverdale next week, gang. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us as always. Time for now. <laughs>